Smartcast. You are listening to a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello and welcome to Tell Me How You Did It. I'm Namrata Zakaria and I'm here to bring to you my handpicked list of some of India's finest brands. Yes, our best homegrown companies that can compete with the world's best and still win the battle hands down. These companies range from food, fashion and film to home, art and design. I'm only too happy to talk to the founders who not only chased their rainbows, they also made India proud. Make sure you tune in at hdsmartcast.com week after week to shake the hands that built our best businesses. Listen to them tell me how they did it. My guest today is someone you would have barely heard of unless you followed the Pink Papers diligently. But you most certainly would have heard of his company and even gaped at the gorgeousness it creates. Nibran Shah is the founder and CEO of Isprava Luxury Homes and now Dohona Estates. Along with his brother Diman, the two started reasonably small but with a very strong list of backers. In no time, Isprava has become synonymous with plushness and a world-class aesthetic. Nibran is here to tell us how his gamble has paid off. Welcome to tell me how you did it, Nibran. It's wonderful to have you here. Thank you for having me, Namrata. I'm really excited. So, what made the two of you, Diman and you? Of course, you were an investment banker in New York. What made you um, move back and take this big risk of starting something so major? I mean, real estate is a very capital-strong business in any case, but luxury real estate even more so. You know, Namrata, it's not like we had a big plan or a big strategy. You know, I was an investment banker. I was in New York. I was in London, and the way it started actually was just going on a holiday to goa uh wanting a home there not liking any home there you know it was a cookie cutter uh builder fair and and that's when we uh, decided look we should maybe build our own home halfway through realized that you know what we're building is quite amazing decided to sell it and here we are many hundreds of homes later i don't yet own a home but uh, but, at least, <laughs> but 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 at least we we we've, we've, we've kind of sold enough and we've created uh, a, you know a fairly strong brand that's very very customer centric yeah i don't know what i feel about going to goa to look for a business plan uh, you you know that that's the only way to do it so so now we have meetings on the beach and uh, you know you can once in a while you can see some dolphins swimming by Uh, while you drink your coffee and you're negotiating hard deals so it's always nicer than being in a large city that's what entrepreneurship really is right everything's a business app, app, that's the only way <laughs> <laughs> were you entirely self funded from get go i know that your early investors were anand piraman the promoter of the pirami group and nadir gothridge of gothridge industries that's well known that uh, they set you up with about 10 12 crores initially right right um but were they there right from the start or did they come on a little later so we were to start with self funded uh we had to have a proof of concept which was one home and and we built that home and it turned out to be beautiful and we sold it uh for a little more than we expected to sell it for and and that's when we thought look let's make this a business uh and the reason we made it a business uh, uh namrata was because 
two or three things, right? Uh, number one, we always believed and continue to believe that real estate is a disruptable sector. Uh, you know, it's a sector where you don't have to do much uh, and 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 you can still wow a customer, right? You just have to deliver a home on time or before time or you have to deliver what you promise. And, and then when we looked at the holiday home or let's call it the non-urban market, uh, yeah. There was a strong belief that the, uh, you know, the, the way people were buying and the way people were living were going to change over a 20-year period, you know, and the 20-year period for us at that time was, you know, 2035. And, and we worked towards, you know, building ecosystems in these non-urban locations because, you know, we thought that people would not want to breathe Delhi air or be stuck in Bangalore traffic or or pay Mumbai prices and would want to move out of large cities. And And we've seen that happen. Uh, COVID has accelerated that phenomenon to a large extent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and we're strong believers that, you know, the, the world's going to change and, and suburbanization and, and non-urbanization is, is definitely a key theme. And non-gentrification, of course, it's completely uh, fueled the real estate market in cities and the opposite of it has happened you know, with holiday homes, right? Absolutely. And, and you know, the way we look at it, Namrita, and, and you know, a little anecdotal evidence, uh, we, we've had a buyer buy a 20 crore home from us. Um, this buyer is uh, 25 years old. He, 25 years old, 20 he's, crores. He's, 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 he's 25 years old. Uh, his partner uh, is, is older, is about 35. Uh, they're both uh, professionals. Uh, they live in Mumbai. They rent in Mumbai in the fanciest apartments. But they said, we never want to buy a flat in Mumbai because it does not make sense. And And if it makes so much more sense to be in a place like Goa where you can get the land, you can get your own vegetable patch, your own gardens, your own fruit trees and get a lifestyle that you would not get in a large city. So we're seeing a whole load of customers uh, who, who are moving towards, uh, uh, you know, at some point, at least living the dream of not living in the city, if not permanently, but at least semi-permanently. Yeah. When you said dis- disruptable, what do you mean? So when I said disruptable, you know, when you look at any sector and, and you look at disruption and how do you really change a sector and turn it on its head, uh, you know, usually it's about technology, right? And, and many times it, it might be technology or complex technology. The way we looked at real estate and said, look, here's a sector that's almost been the same for hundreds of years. Not much has changed. Uh, what do we need to do to win? And what do we need to do to be the best brand possible? Right. And when we kind of tick those boxes, we said, look, number one, let's deliver on time. Um, that's all we have to do. Builders didn't deliver on time. They always uh, they never thought it a key KPI to deliver a home or a product or a project on time to a buyer. Um, yeah. And and for various reasons. Right. And and so we said, look, our promise is we will deliver our homes on time. I'm happy to say we deliver, you know, our average now is 68 days before time. And that's post-COVID, pre-COVID, it was about 84 days before time. Uh, we then said, look, let's just give... That's, I mean, I want to say that's unusual, but it sounds impossible, actually. Yes, exactly. And and that's where we spent a lot of time. We spent, a, you know, we built our technology around project management. We built our technology around construction management. We built our technology around techniques of construction. So, you know, if you take a 10,000 square foot house and, and we give you a product that's completely frictionless right so it's 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 fully furnished down to you know the wine glasses the forks the knives the netflix and everything we build a 10000 square foot house in 11 months right and that 11 is going to drop to 9 in the next one year that's quite unbelievable right doing up a, a flat in mumbai or delhi or bangalore takes a lot more time right so so we've gotten that down fairly correctly uh, we then said how else can we disrupt the sector right it, it's about giving the buyer 
everything that you promised them, right? So it's it's not about the glossy brochures and the 3Ds. It's about actually giving them that and giving them a little more, right? And and then lastly, we said, okay, what else do we need to do? And we said, let's make this company a lifestyle business. Uh, let's let's not make this just a real estate business where we give beautiful products. So we spend a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of effort after delivering the home. Uh, to a buyer, right? So, so we have management teams, we have concierge services. So if you buy a home from us and you're flying into Goa, you have a homeowner app and you can click on whether, you know, a BMW picks you up or a, or a, or a, an Innova, you know, there's a concierge to uh, book restaurants for you or masseuses or yachts, whatever you like. So what we've gone and we managed to create is this entire ecosystem that goes beyond just real estate or the actual product. May I ask you, how do you maintain the timeline when you say you use technology uh, in, a, in a more modern way to make deliveries? Can you give me an example? Sure. So I think it's two or three things, right? Number one, you have to have a very, very, very strong supply chain. So we have a very strong uh, hub and spoke model around warehousing and logistics. So, okay. so that's number one. Um, number two is... Uh, how we project manage and and how we detail drawings. I think that's also a very very important point, uh, and and that's something again that we uh, you know we spent a lot of time building our in-house software. So so there's absolutely zero uh, friction and there's zero wastage at every step of the way, and that's kind of how we think how we think about the entire product and the service. So I read that you're going in for another round of funding. You want to raise 150 crores and dilute maybe 15, 20% of your company? Uh, yes. You know, we are already in, in, in talks. Uh, with oh, people. excellent. Uh, right. so, so in some cases, in fairly advanced talks, I think, uh, you know, the, the beauty of our business is it's, a, it's in a very unique space. Uh, we are a pan-India player. We are in Goa. We are in Alibag, which is outside yeah. Maharashtra. We're down south in the Nilgiri. Outside Bombay. Uh, sorry, Alibag outside Bombay. Uh, Namrata, you're on the ball. Uh, we're down <laughs> I'm south. A Bombay girl. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry, I, I, I meant outside Bombay. Uh, yeah. We are down south in the Nilgiris, uh, yeah. in in Kunur, Uti, etc. Uh, by late December, early January, we'll be up north in Kasoli, uh, in Himachal Pradesh. Uh, okay. So that's our development business, and then we have Lohono. Uh, which is yeah. a hospitality business, and and there when you know and we're in Thailand, we're in Bali, uh, we're in almost seven to eight locations in India. That's going to grow to about fifteen in the next year, and we're adding London and we're adding the Middle East. So we're yeah. going to be, uh, you know, at least on the hospitality side, a global player, and 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 uh, on the real estate development side, at least a pan India player. So in India. Your homes have been lapped up by the one percenters, you know, celebrities, sports stars, movie stars. What do you think makes Isprava this tremendous success? You know, so I think it's two or three things. I always tell people anyone can build a beautiful home because beauty is subjective, right? Uh, what's important, however, when someone's spending 5, 10, 15, 20 or 30 crores with you is do they trust you? Uh, and and trust means are you going to build the best possible product um, and and even better than what you promised? Uh, are you going to deliver that product in time? Uh, do you have their back? You know whether times are good or whether times are bad. Uh, and then uh, what we manage to do around the brand is create that ecosystem. So you know now it's no longer about buying a home. Uh, of course that's important, 
uh, but it's also about creating value around it, right? So yeah. you're buying the home. Are you making money on it by renting it out, right? So is it a cost center or is it a profit center? Is the home taking a lot of your time? Because, you know, a home that's away, that's not your primary home can be quite time consuming. And, and you know, the one percenters for them, it's, you know, money is important, but it's less important than time. And, and are we managing that? Are our engineering teams managing the home? Are our, uh, you know, are our gardening teams the best in the business? Are our chefs the best in the business? And, and we manage to create that ecosystem that goes beyond just the home. And, and you know, you know, Namrata, right? Like the 1% just work on word of mouth. And if we manage to make one happy, then you get two. And when you make 100 happy, then you get 200 or 300 or 400. And that's how we built the business. What do the super rich look for when they're buying a home? Are they easygoing? Are they cranky customers? It completely depends. I think it completely depends. It's two or three things, right? I think uh, number one, uh, people want to have their say. Uh, they're used to the best things in life. This is not their second home. It's not their third home. In some cases, you know, in one case, it's a, it's his 260th home. Uh, and and there's a catch to that. That's because uh, during the subprime mortgage crisis, uh, he went and bought uh, 200 homes in the Seattle and uh, 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 the broader Seattle area around uh, Microsoft and Starbucks and Amazon at the time. So so I always joke that was his 260th home, but but that's the case, right? He went he went he went and bought literally just bought homes that were foreclosing and and bought over 200 of them. But 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 coming back to the point, right, Namrita, it's about uh, people want to have a say. Uh, people want their home to be completely unique. Uh, but ultimately, people don't want to think too much. Ultimately, they've come to us because they want, they like his prava, right? They like the look, they like the feel, they love the aesthetics. So they're saying, look, you're the expert. Uh, we want our touches. We want that little uniqueness. Maybe the art on the wall will be ours because that's my collection. But everything else we leave to you because you're the expert. And I'm sure you've seen that with fashion designers as well, right? Ultimately, you go to a Sabyasachi because he's the best in the business, right? Okay, you might say, look, can you change a little, you know, border here or a little color there? But but that's about it. And 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 you, you know, don't you know Sabyasachi. You yeah, don't I, I, know maybe, I don't. <laughs> maybe, maybe I don't. Maybe I don't. He'd probably well show you this door. <laughs> right. No, you're you're right. But but we we give that five percent flexibility uh, for yeah, that uniqueness. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to take you back to Novono's days because we briefly sure. touched upon it. It is, of course, a luxury rental service. Um, tell us all you want to tell us about it. Sure. So you know. Namrata, we spotted a gap in the market. Uh, if you if you look at the ecosystem for a customer, there are two broader, bigger types of players. Uh, on one side, you have your big box chains, right? Your your typically global hotel chains, and and they've always been successful because. Uh, they they take away any insecurity, right? They're highly standardized. Rooms are the same. The food is the same. The welcome is the same. The bed sheets are the same, et cetera, et cetera. And the and, brand name sells itself. And, and the brand name sells itself. And you know whether you're going to, uh, you know, a branded hotel in the same chain, whether you're in London, Timbuktu, Calcutta, Kashmir, or Kanyakumari, yeah. you know what you're getting. So all the insecurity yeah. is taken away. Uh, the issue with hotels, however, is A, they're too sterile for some. Uh, in some cases, you know, and, and especially with Indians, you know, Indians like traveling in a group and, and suddenly you go to a hotel and you're all in your individual rooms. And if you want to get together, you're, you're sharing that common space, be it a swimming pool or a restaurant or a lobby with hundreds or thousands of other people. So, so the, that entire privacy aspect goes away uh, and, 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 you know, hotels ultimately are not unique. 
you know, at least the big box chains are not unique. And, and you want that uniqueness and you want that localness and you want that experientialness. And, and on the other end of the spectrum, you have your peer-to-peer players, right? And Airbnb being the largest of them. And, and they work because they're unique and they're, and they're experiential and, and you can enter a home as a group of friends and that home becomes your, your home for the day, right? So you can all hang out in the living room or by the swimming pool all day and it's only you. Uh, the issue with the peer-to-peer players, however, is there's no service uh, and there's no standardization and there's no predictability, exactly. yeah. right? And, 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 and sometimes going, you get a pretty photo and a, and a lousy room. And a lousy room and it's hit or miss. So what we're doing is we're layering on that predictability with service. Uh, so we're taking you know, the beautiful, unique, private homes like a peer-to-peer would have. But we're layering on some level of service. We're layering on, you know, experiences. We're layering on F&B. So it's a good mix of, of both, right? Uh, and, and we sit somewhere in between. So you take on a home and you offer the management of it, for yep. example? Yep. Okay. So, so we'll take over the most beautiful homes in the world. And, and these are literally the most beautiful homes in the world. Uh, we then manage them completely. So the homeowner does nothing. Uh, they get a check in the mail at the end of the month. Uh, we then rent it out, et cetera, et cetera. And the homeowner makes a lot of money. Uh, the home's in better shape than when, than when they were running it. They spend no time on the home now in terms of having to manage it, maintain it, yeah. maintain it yeah. deal with the staff, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and yep, and and for a guest, it's it's like being in a hotel in a home, and you know you you get all the fun stuff of 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 the entire ecosystem, uh, you know, kind of packaged into one. Yeah, how has COVID changed the business? And I ask you this only because in your case, it's obviously for the better, and it's probably only in your case for the better. Yep, you know, so COVID uh, ch- has changed the business for the better, and in certain cases for the worse. And I'll start with the worst. Uh, raw material prices have gone up. Uh, you know, be it steel, be it cement, prices have gone up significantly. So building a home is now a lot more expensive than it was before COVID, right? And COVID may or may not have been the trigger uh, uh, for for increase in raw material prices globally, but it's definitely been one of the catalysts, right? Uh, now, now coming to the better, I think. Uh, on the Isprava side of the business, a lot more people are buying homes, right? You you have people who now, you know, work for tech companies who say, you know what, I don't need to live in Bangalore anymore. I don't need to live in Pune anymore. Why should I? I can code out of anywhere, right? So we have so many buyers who, who you know, who are businessmen, uh, uh, you know, working for tech companies or startup founders, uh, trading their own books, you know, finance guys who say, you know, I don't, need to go into office more than three, four, five times a month. So I'm going to live, or cricketers, a lot of cricketers, a lot, you know, either ex and current cricketers who say, you know what, I'm anyway going to be traveling uh, the globe, either as a commentator or as a, you know, so why should I, uh, you know, live in a, in a specific city, right? Uh, and, and this has taught me that I can live outside a specific city. So a lot more people buying homes. And, and, and you know, interestingly enough, the super, super rich number, and I'm talking about the, the you know, the, the, the top, you know, the Forbes top 50. Uh, what we saw with a lot of them, and I'm, I'm not only the top 50, even the top 10, what we've seen with a lot of them is they owned homes across the world, but they did not own a holiday home in India. Uh, and when COVID struck, they were stuck in Mumbai or stuck in Delhi or stuck in Bangalore or Hyderabad. And they did not have a holiday home that fits their lifestyle uh, within India because their holiday homes are, you know, in Dubai, London, Miami, 
Singapore, maybe all of them. And, and suddenly, you know, so we are now building homes for, you know, the top five families or the top 10 families. And these are, you know, massive, massive homes because they realize that the next time something like COVID happens and it could be, you know, a natural disaster, or it could be a biological disaster like COVID, uh, they would want somewhere within India close to their primary residence that they normally did not think they ever needed. So, so that's also we, quite interesting. We, we've also discovered the beauty of India, right? Since we yes. couldn't get out, we just traveled within India. And for me, I mean, I'm, I'm just gobsmacked at why I didn't do it more often earlier. Absolutely. And and there's so many, you know, we're going to be in Kashmir in the next two months. Uh, oh, and, and when I say we, I mean Lohono. And and yeah, we'll be rentals, we'll be yeah. the rental business and and you know so I've been spending a lot of time there and the team's been spending enough. and it's unbelievable you know it's yeah. it's 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 heaven on earth and and you know so be it Kashmir or be it most places it's just beautiful and there's so much to do and it's unique. Yeah, what makes Isprava unique? Like there are half a dozen companies catering to the luxury home uh, yeah. business, but according to you, how have you landed on top of this mountain? You know, I think we did not, in the early days, we and, and until today, I think our core philosophy, and I, I know this might sound cliched, is focus on the customer. And, and you know, so, so, you know, one of our investors and one of my advisors, Ajay Paramal, you know, when I first started, told me, listen, at the end of the day, if you make a mistake or if you don't make a mistake, at least be willing to sort it out for the customer because in the long term that will help hold you in good stead. And in the first home we built, and you know, this anecdotal, but the first home we we built, we made mistakes, right? I don't come from a real estate background. And, and we made mistakes, and but we were willing to use our balance sheet to fix those mistakes, right? Be it a leakage or be it something wrong with the roof or be it something wrong with the furniture. And we continued to do that for five and six years after that home got sold. And that's part of our philosophy. And, and once you do that, people trust you uh, and people realize that, look, this is a product and this is a service that goes beyond just a transaction, right? This is then a deep relationship with the company. And and every step of the way, we're giving you that opportunity to either make money or, or, or have a great experience and, and do it in the most headache-free fashion and in the most luxurious possible way, right? Because we but understand Nibra, luxury. This is, this is a, a very cost uh, costly promise to make, you know, because, you know, selling a home and making maximum profit is pretty much the end of the story where real estate is concerned. But to take on the responsibility so many years later... How does that affect your financials or your bottom line? You know, I, I think, uh, Namrita, the way we think about it is uh, that's a brand promise. Uh, we, Of course, profits are important, revenue is important, and, and that's obviously uh, always one of our North Stars. Uh, but, uh, you know, our stronger belief, however, is... Uh, you know, what we call our repeat cohort, right? And, and a repeat cohort is great in an e-commerce company where you keep getting customers back over and over again. We track repeat cohorts in Isprava. So we track how many homes a buyer buys with us over a period of time. And that's important. Does someone buy with us in Goa? Does the same person buy a second home in Goa? Does he or she then buy another home in Alibag, Kunur, Kasoli, and so on and so forth. So ultimately, the numbers add up. Uh, in, the, in the short term, there is always pain or there was pain. Uh, but in the medium to long term, uh, you know, we've seen that it's actually worked to our benefit financially as well. That's unusual and wonderful. Yeah. Um, I want you to tell us a little bit more about your international plans. Sure. So in Lohono, like I said, we're currently in three locations. We're in Pali, we're in uh, Phuket, we're in Koh Samui. Uh, 
we have plans to enter the Middle East, and by that I mean uh, mainly Dubai and and Abu Dhabi, uh, which we will be doing in Q4 of this financial year. Uh, we are also looking at London and uh, Portugal fairly strongly. Uh, Portugal. And, and Portugal as well. Um, it, we've done a lot of research around it, and, and we've realized that uh, that you know there's a massive opportunity there uh, as well. Uh, so, so those are the two countries that we will be in in the next calendar year. This is for Lohon, no? but Isprava? This is for Lohon. Uh, Isprava, we're not looking to grow internationally. I think uh, there's a lot of depth, Namrita, in India. Uh, and, you know, this is, you know, the problem or, or even the advantage of real estate is uh, it's very hyper-local. You know, to, to succeed, you need to, to go into the weeds and you need to, you have to learn the ecosystem inside out. And doing that in a foreign country is a lot more difficult. So at mm-hmm. least in the short term, we're looking at being in India. We've studied Sri Lanka. Um, yeah. We will be there, uh, but yeah. but not for the next year. It'll be after that. Okay, fantastic. Nibrant, um, a lot of the young companies I'm speaking to for this podcast are especially very conscious of the work that they do benefit or impact people. And I mean that by livelihoods and you know, are environmentally conscious, so the planet as well. Um, how responsible is is Brava, is Lohono, where these two very important parameters, people and the planet, are concerned? Sure. And, and a really good point, Namrita. So, you know, from day one, uh, we have uh, or we have and continue to add to this rule book uh, in terms of what we do and how we do it. And I'll give you a few examples, right? Ultimately, real estate development by nature is not necessarily the most environmentally friendly sector, right? You, there are a lot of things you can do. And those are the things that we try and do. And I'll, I'll give you a few examples. Number one, we've never cut a tree in our life, right? We only, so if there's a tree in a plot, we either design around it. And if it's not possible to design around it, we uh, transplant them, right? So, so, so we spend a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of effort transplanting trees. Um, on all our projects, there's some sort of Either rainwater harvesting or collection, depending on the locations and the, you know, the nuances to that. But that's on every project uh, or in every home we ever built. Um, the techniques we use um, for construction, and again, these are things worth thinking about. But for example, in Goa, we use local techniques. So those are load-bearing walls. The reason for doing that is because then you're, the material you're sourcing is local. And when you source local materials, number one, it, of course, works a lot better. Number two is you're not spending all that money, uh, you know, cutting bricks and steel and all the other stuff from across the country, right? Because you're using the local. Carbon friendly. It's completely carbon friendly. And you're fueling the local economy as well. And you're fueling and you're and you're 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 also supporting older techniques like this load bearing technique of building homes is, is has been around for hundreds of thousands of years, but has fallen out of fashion. Right, for because it's more expensive and 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 so we're just reviving that, right? I'll give you another example. Our doors and windows, uh, we've taken again. It's a, it's an internal pledge that eighty percent of our doors and windows will not be made, but will be recycled, upcycled, and reused. So so we buy out old homes, old palaces, old uh, uh, you know. British government structures, old and 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 we then you know so we buy out. The entire structure, like we, we we will buy out a palace, for example, right? And we will, you know, we will repurpose the doors. We will repurpose the wood flooring. We buy out old ships, for example, for wooden flooring. Give me an example of a palace that you've bought and and reused the doors. 
So the way it works, right, uh, Namrata, is uh, across Gujarat, Rajasthan, Madhya Pradesh, you have all these very, very, then, you know, they're actually not even palaces. They're these Havelis. mini havelis. Yeah. These mini havelis where uh, the owners have fallen on hard times. So the way we do it is we purchase these through auctions. So mm-hmm. so it's not a one-on-one transaction. We will, you know, they will go to an agent or an agent will then auction everything off and we go out mm-hmm. and buy them, right? Mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll give you an example, uh, boats. Right. Large yeah. ships, large ships have used wood, decking wood for ages. Right. And yeah. these are the, be- you know, these are old Burma teak, et cetera. Yeah. So we buy them out and reuse them. So, so this is a pledge that 80% of the wood we use is recycled or upcycled. So we're not cutting more trees. Uh, and then talking about people, you know, a lot of, and, and, you know, when you visit our homes, a lot of the techniques, materials, et cetera, we use uh, are, usually traditional crafts or traditional techniques etc right artisan so, created artisan created so we you know we do something called ips ips was actually a dead art till we uh, a week we kind of uh, uh, you know brought it alive and made it cool and made what it happening it again ips stands for indian pattern stone it's you know it's almost like that cement finish uh, jeffrey baba uses a lot of it in sri lanka so uh, or used to use a lot of it in sri lanka so you know it, it's something that you know families in india used for ages and it just died because it wasn't you know cool anymore modern anymore so we use a lot of that and we've kind of worked with those families and 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 retrained them and now made them you know they've, they've evolved from being individuals and couples to families to now actual corporations and enterprises that are now doing ips right and and earning crores and crores a year so so we do a lot of this both on on the environmental side and on the people side. Mm. You're also a sports lover. You play judo. You're a horse racing enthusiast. Does your passion for sports or competition fuel your professional drive? Absolutely. You know, when I look at other entrepreneurs around me, I always see that most of them have excelled at some extracurricular you know, during their formative years, right? And that extracurricular activity could be a sport or it could be it could be something else, right? It could be a musical instrument. And I feel, you know, sport gave me, uh, you know, I did judo for, for the country, right? For India. And I think it gave really? me, yes. Uh, and, and what it did was it gave me, uh, it taught me discipline. It taught me great. It taught me, look, you're, you know, you're more likely to lose than win. And if you lose, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. You, you know, you can win the next match. And I think those are all very, 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 uh, important characteristics because nine out of ten times things don't go your way, uh, and and you're, you you need to have the grit to 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 deal with that. Grant, it's been wonderful chatting. I can't wait to to meet you offline and uh, get uh, an unrecorded version of your Forbes top fifty uh, customers <laughs> so soon. Absolutely, and Namrita, this has been fun. I'm such a big fan of the podcast and thank you so much for having me really oh, that's wonderful really, really. to you very kind right. and and good luck with everything thank you you too if you enjoyed the show or not write to me on instagram twitter or clubhouse at you can catch the video podcast on the lifelink channel on youtube for updates on tell me how you did it follow us at hd smartcast We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse. To listen to more podcasts, log on to hdsmartcast.com or suno nai nazariye se. This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.